There are successful mergers in business and those that have fallen through, but there's not one case that has been easy. In the world of shipping, a merger is arguably even tougher, with the owners' big egos well known in many sectors often preventing an economically sensible tie-up from happening, or simply resulting in a bad marriage. But now, the exigency of a global energy transition, the increasingly complicated sanction regimes, and a growing competition and economic decoupling between superpowers, are underscoring the unprecedented uncertainty facing our industry. Will these generate enough extra thrust for companies, even in the most fragmented segments, to consider combining their business? Well, this time we have invited Mark Young. Hong Kong-based chief executive of Cetus Marine, which was just created a few months ago from the combination of two handy-sized dry dock firms, Asia Maritime Pacific and Hamburg Bau Carrier, to talk about whether it is a good time for the merger. In fact, I think any time can be a good time, because dry bulk shipping is a very special market. But any time can also be a big challenge. Company mergers and joint ventures are a very common phenomenon in the container shipping market, right? But it's rarely heard of in the dry bulk market. The largest company in this sector accounts for less than 10% of market share. So from this point of view, in fact, dry bulk cargo is still a very fragmented system. A fully competitive market, or sometimes even with excessive competition, and many of its operations are not necessarily the most efficient because every company in a certain market during a certain period of time will have some ships in the wrong position, or sign unreasonable contracts because of a lack of coordination of its fleet. This is a fact, as the dry bulk sector, for most of the time since its establishment, has been an industry lacking scale. But doing business at any time is about how to increase its efficiency. So, from this perspective, I think whether in a good or bad or uncertain market, if a merger can lead to better efficiency, it is always a reasonable approach. Trying to make a business do more efficiently is always a reasonable approach. So, from this perspective, I think any merger is good. The merger has allowed Cetus, which also refers to a huge sea creature in Greek mythology. To break into the world top three handy size operate league with a fleet about 65 vessels, of which some 40 are self-owned. It has also combined the market strengths of two predecessor companies, Japan, China, Australia, Americas, and West Africa, in which Asia Maritime Pacific operates, and Southeast Asia, the Indian Ocean, Red Sea, then all the way to East Africa, in addition to the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. Well, Hamburg bulk carriers has a stronghold. However, even the combined fleet accounts for less than a thousandth of the global total in the segment they operate. So, does that scale really matter? We all know size matters, right? Especially today, with the tightening regulations on carbon emissions, is impacting your fleet operations every day. Having a larger fleet and a global operating platform will provide you greater flexibility to match your ships to the trade of a suitable emission regulatory regime. That's reason one. The second is about how to better weather market uncertainties. 
Equity fund managers, for example, are quite worried about this market because what they see is the Fed's interest rate hike and various problems in banks. They believe when the macroeconomy is not good, it is difficult for a specific industry or segment to perform extremely well. But ship owners are relatively positive. They argue there are not many new shipbuilding orders and the new carbon emission rules will lead to slow steaming. So they think there are great opportunities. I think both sides have their reasons. But the economy is not mathematics in which you have one correct answer to each question. Maybe a decision made by the Biden government tomorrow or a decision made by the Chinese government tomorrow will greatly change the logic of the entire market. So there is so much uncertainty in this. But standing still is usually not a choice an entrepreneur is willing to make. So what should be done in a situation full of uncertainty? Everyone's approach is different, but I think normally you should cautiously set aside a development. At the same time, you have to consider whether you have enough cash reserves and cargo order backlog to help you survive once a period of market downturn starts. If you are a relatively large company, it is easier for you to do these. There are other reasons, including various sanction and compliance requirements when calling at different countries. Sometimes you may go to a place and you think that the sanction clause is not actually involved in that place, but maybe the trader behind a certain shipment is involved in this issue. So this kind of thing is changing very fast, and this is why I have a compliance department. For many small companies that may think that compliance is not that important, but for us to operate around the world, compliance is very important for our ships. But you have to have a company of a certain size to support a good compliance department. But if there are so many benefits, why we haven't seen lots of deals in the market yet? Most of the dry bulk companies, not all of them of course, are under the strong personal influence from the founders or the families that own them. And often, people tend to focus on the aspect of vessel assets to evaluate the gains and losses of a dry bulk company and overlook the operational side. A capital market's valuation or understanding of the dry bulk market is not sufficient and there is no really large player. So everything combined has created this situation where the individuals have a very big sway in this segment. This brings great challenges to mergers and acquisitions or collaboration, not because of the economics behind it is wrong, but because of personal character and personal decision-making, especially if you have established a very successful company, which makes you believe that your previous experience and your practices are correct. In this case, when you meet another person who has the same idea, then a merger will easily cause problems. So you know, if a company has a lot of internal conflicts and frictions, it will definitely remove the efficiency from the business. So that's what I mean for a bad merger idea. Culture clash is often one of the largest headaches when two foreign companies become one, with employees coming from different parts of the world. Even workers from nearby regions can have issues. Mr. Yang joked that sometimes he has to deal with more clashes between Western cultures than those between the East and the West. But overall, the formation of CETAs has been a pleasant journey, 
and there has been no unpleasant surprise, he says, adding that the gathering of two group of like-minded people has avoided unnecessary internal frictions. While the share swap merger deal enabled the new company to keep the cash for the rainy day and further development. Some of those money is expected to be used for vessel emission compliance, as the industry's decarbonization campaign is tightening the screw on every ship owner and a charterer and increasing the financial burden on their daily operations. But Mr. Yang says this could be also a blessing to shipping. 啊，我觉得在今天这个情况下，技术没有完全成熟的情况下 ，I think in today's situation, where the technology is not fully mature, there will not be a single solution. It may be a lot of different solutions to try and learn, and then gradually find a reasonable path. You can look at history. If one day we find a perfect solution, a new paradigm, and if everyone agrees that there is a big revolution, bad things will come soon, right? Because everyone thinks that that is the solution, everyone will build that ship. We have been through it several times in the past. Now, fortunately, we still see many opportunities because everyone is still finding their way to decarbonisation. 那么就在看谁可能摸索的比大家更好一点。For seaters, the path towards greener shipping is a difficult but valuable one to go down. Realness is what Mr. Yang believes in and what creates value. Clean the vessels, albeit costier, are expected to become a scarce commodity, and easier to gain charterers' favor. They will also become a more flexible tool when switching between different trading markets that have different levels of emission requirements. So, so, therefore, when we are planning our development today, we are considering buying some more energy-saving ships. We call it renewing our fleet. But when we look at the design of new ships, we may attach great importance to the options of converting to the so-called new energy in the future. Of course, I haven't heard over the past two years plans saying that the less efficient vessels must be scrapped. It's something to do with the sailing area. If you're on a relatively easy area, it is different. But for us, for Certus, any of our assets must consider a solution on a global scale, and we're not willing to restrict ourselves to a certain market. Because we feel that if a ship is confined to a small trading area, the uncertainty and risks from an asset value or income perspective is even bigger. This, 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 The U.S.-China tussle and the collateral damage of Beijing's draconian zero-COVID policy. One key reason behind the decision is Mr. Yang's confidence in China's economic power, on which many drybuck owners have pinned their hopes today for the market rebound. I have many friends, both from the West and the East, who, in fact, have big doubts about China's future economy. Some even have very negative views. I'm one of the few who have stayed positive on China's prospects for various reasons. For example, doing dry bulk shipping has allowed me to travel to many parts of the world that are less developed, such as Southeast Asia, India, and Africa. 
Those places have changed a lot in the past 20 years, and they're all thriving. Some cities had no roads when I first arrived there, and now there are plenty of highways, and they've achieved such fast growth by doing business with China. But no matter how fast those countries are growing, none of them can surpass China in terms of comprehensive competitiveness. I always feel that China has many problems, so does the West, but relatively speaking, the competitiveness of China as a large economy in this world is second to none. Well, many people said that I was wrong, and China's competitiveness will soon be gone. We can agree to disagree, but I still think, at least within the next 10 years, you won't be seeing another emerging economy that can grow fast enough to challenge China's position and influence globally. So from this perspective, I think that Hong Kong, being closely connected to China, actually has great potential. The city has encountered many difficulties. I see fewer people when I go to the airport. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. It leaves some room for its future development. So I'm still very confident about Hong Kong. This may be the most important reason why we finally decided to stay here. But for Hong Kong, as well as China, to prove fertile ground for further success, there are concerns about the commitment to further openness. You know, there are many things in China that you can't see because of the Great Firewall, which is very inconvenient. Many people who use WhatsApp, for example, can't reach out to me when I'm in mainland China and think I have ignored them. Hong Kong is much better. I can use almost all apps. I asked my colleagues to use ChatGPT to prepare an English presentation for me recently because I'm very hopeful about the technology. They said they would need VPN to get access as well. I don't think that any economy can become the world's strongest, the most influential economy and a role model for the world. But there are a lot of things that cannot be accessed unless you use a VPN. So I think Hong Kong needs to do a better job than before. It needs to step up efforts to regain the ground lost in the pandemic and the days even before the pandemic. Hong Kong should return to its focus on openness, rule of law, diversity and being an international hub that makes it very comfortable for everyone to come and do business. Views on Hong Kong and the Middle Kingdom's long-term prospects still vary, especially when factoring in its escalating superpower struggle with the US. But at least for now, the China reopening narrative is keeping the story about demand recovery a promising one. And that will hopefully help Mr. Young, his dear colleagues, and their new company to get off to the good start.